Support for the Eyes Free Sports podcast is brought to you by Clusive. As a blind or visually impaired athlete, you know how important training is. With Clusive, you can take training on assistive technology, occupational, and career skills all online to help you reach your employment goals. Learn more at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusive.io. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 90 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on our 90th episode of the podcast, we are chatting about the USBTA, which is the United States Blind Tennis Association. And I know we had previously spoken about the IBTA, the International Blind Tennis Association. So in this episode, we're kind of focusing on uh, how blind tennis is starting to grow and catch on here in the US. So let's go ahead and hit the tennis court now and get swinging with episode 90. Okay, so joining me here on this episode of the podcast is Dana Costa. And Dana is the president of the USBTA, which is the United States Blind Tennis Association, as well as the Highland Park Tennis Club. Dana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Really looking forward to this. I know I did chat with Samir Mahir, uh, president of the International Blind Tennis Association on a previous episode. Uh, so really excited to chat more about kind of the U.S. focus when it comes to blind tennis. Yeah, we're excited to tell you about it. Awesome. Uh, so why don't you just kind of introduce yourself, Dana, as far as your personal and professional backgrounds here to start us off. As stated, my name is Dana Costa. I am the president of the Highland Park Tennis Club, which is a nonprofit organization um, centered around our free summer tennis clinics located in Pittsburgh. I've been involved with them for a little over 10 years and president for the last four years. And in about 2019, we explored the new to us world of blind and visually impaired tennis. And uh, last year, we started the United States Blind Tennis Association, which is on the pathway of becoming a nonprofit organization as well that is designed to set up and grow the sport of blind and visually impaired tennis in the U.S. Wow, that's amazing. So definitely a very new uh, organization, new effort when it comes to the U.S. BTA, right? Correct. Yes, very new. Nice, nice. And I understand, is it a daughter that you have who's visually impaired? Yes, my daughter, Damiana Costa, she is nine years old. And we found out that she had a rare congenital disorder when she was about six weeks old. Um, it's called congenital fibrosis of the extraocular muscles, which limits her visual fields. And um, she's unable to open her eyes fully and unable to move the eyeball itself. Oh, wow. Interesting. I've not heard of that particular condition. Most have not. Um, to my understanding, it's about one in, the mil one in a million, which defines my daughter pretty accurately. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like one in the lotto, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Luckiest girl I know. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm curious, is she mainstreamed in school or where does she attend school? She attends um, a public school here in Pittsburgh. 
Um, yes, she's mainstreamed. It's very hard to say she actually has a visual impairment. Most don't even realize. Um, she doesn't let it define her, nor does she let it uh, hold her back. She she plays both sighted and uh, visually impaired sports. She's very active. Yeah, it's it's very hard to say that she has a visual impairment. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Sounds like she's got a great attitude. Very much so. Awesome. Uh, so then in terms of adaptive sports for the blind and specifically blind tennis, so I would imagine, you know, having a visually impaired daughter kind of gave you that uh, that inspiration to maybe look into getting involved in these types of sports. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, we we are fortunate enough to have a group. It's called Envision Blind Sports that introduces um, young athletes to blind different blind sports over a week long camp. And she was invited to attend and she uh, actually played blind hockey. And I could Hmm. not, I, I, I didn't even understand how that was possible, you know, being very new to the blind and visually impaired world at the time. And, um, the sport that I know and love is tennis and, I just didn't understand how hockey was able to be adapted for blind and visually impaired athletes, but tennis, not so much. So we started this deep dive down a rabbit hole to discover blind and visually impaired tennis was played uh, all over the world, except for not so much here in the States. Right, right. And I understand you and your husband have played tennis for quite a while as well. Yes, uh, that's actually how I became involved in tennis. My my husband grew up playing. He grew up across from the local tennis courts. And I always joke and say, if I wanted to see him, I had to learn the sport as well. He That was his second <laughs> wife. <laughs> so he, he lives at the tennis court. And so I just caught on. And now we joke also, is if we ever get a divorce, it's not the kids we have to go to court over it's the tennis court so (laughs) i like that yep you're definitely serious about it and i can tell (laughs) Uh, so then before we get into the usbta let's just chat about blind tennis in general as far as kind of how the game works the rules and the equipment so blind and visually impaired tennis is quite unique it has its own set of roles it has um it's its own sport in and of itself. Um, And it's broken up based off of your site classification. So a B1 athlete, as you know, is somebody who has no vision, maybe just some light perception. So if you're a B1 athlete, you play on a much smaller court. The dimension sides are, um, are much smaller about if you're familiar with a tennis court, it's the service boxes. Um, and then there are tactile lines uh, around the perimeter of the court. And um, then you play with a smaller racket. And then the ball itself is its own ball. It's a mechanical rattle ball inside of a foam ball. And it's slightly larger. And a B1 athlete is allowed to have three bounces uh, and has to make contact before the fourth bounce. And that that also changes based off your site classification. So B2 will have uh, two bounces, a B3 will have one bounce, and then a B4 would have one bounce as well. I see. Interesting. 
So obviously visual classification is definitely important when it comes to, to tennis. Yes, very much so. And, you know, that that creates different categories as well based off of, so B1, you can be an advanced B1 player, you know, a beginning B1. So there's there's several different divisions that you can play in if you're new to the sport or if you've played for a long time and pick it up pretty quickly. Right. Gotcha. And then just a little more as far as the, the court, uh, do you have like the, the dimensions, you know, offhand and a little more on the, the tactile, you know, aspects of the court as well? A B1 player uses a playing singles would play on a 12.8 meters by a 6.1 meter um, B2 to B5, the court dimensions increase and they play on an 18.28 meters long by 8.23 meters. And then as I was saying before, a B1 player, they have lines that are tactile and they're taped down. It's court tape over top of paracord, very much like goalball. Right. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds very much like the goalball uh, kind of tape and, and mm -hmm. tactile aspect. Mm -hmm. And I was curious, would you say that someone needs to have experience playing tennis in order, in order to play blind tennis? Or would they be able to kind of be coached and, and trained enough without that prior experience? Um, I, I treat blind tennis very much like I treat sighted tennis. If you are interested in playing and have no background in tennis, we'll start you from the very beginning. Um, it, it's all about what you would like to get out of BVI tennis is what we would like to offer. If you want to just learn the game and play recreationally, you can do that with no prior experience. If you want to, if you've had some background in tennis and want to advance and begin competing, we, we can take you on that level as well. Excellent. Nice. So let's move on to the USBTA, the U.S. Blind Tennis Association. So I know you mentioned it was started in 2022 last year. And just talk to me a little more about how it was founded, kind of how the pieces were put together and what the organization currently looks like. Um, yeah. So as you said, uh, we started uh, this new journey about a year ago um, and we are on the path of becoming a nonprofit as well. The paperwork and the logistics are filed. We're just waiting for approval. Um, we are a volunteer-based organization, and we found the need to grow it to the to the U.S. and take it a little bit further than just our local area. Um, we found that the need in the U.S. was much greater. I, I shouldn't say much greater. It was uh, there was a need in the U.S. as well as the local level. Um, so we started this with a mission to grow across the country, plant new programming in other cities, um, in using the Pittsburgh Blind Tennis Group as an example, and um, just bring awareness to the sport and help others be successful as our program was here. Right, right. Interesting. And uh, how many individuals do you have kind of involved? Is there like a formal board at this point or how does it look? Yes, we have a formal board. Uh, we are finalizing all the board positions, but right now we do have a vice president. We have a head pro uh, marketing, uh, you know, basically all that you would find 
in a nonprofit organization and other organizations. Um, we we do have monthly meet regular meetings, um, and everything has to be board approved before moving forward. Gotcha. And then in terms of events, um, have you guys put on any events so far? Or do you have anything kind of in the the kitty here coming up? We have planted programs. Uh, we have traveled to Cincinnati, um, offered resources, instruction, train the trainer programs. Um, Cincinnati is a very successful program right now that with offering free clinics uh, hmm. to their individuals in their area. We have uh, worked very closely with a group uh, blind sports organization in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia area. And same process, we trained their trainers and uh, went out there and helped them start kickstart a program. Our upcoming events is in Atlanta. It will be in September. Uh, and we are working on a group in Wisconsin as well and hope to travel out there in July. Uh, in the past, we just recently worked with the USTA and had our first ever blind and visually impaired conference at the USTA national campus and held uh, the first ever blind and visually impaired tournament at the USTA national campus. And that happened in February. Oh, wow. Very cool. And where was that held? It was held in Orlando um, at the USTA national tennis center. Gotcha. Very interesting. And then uh, just kind of in terms of goals of the USBTA, obviously growing blind tennis in general, um, it sounds like you're definitely, you know, from a grassroots standpoint, really getting out there in multiple places around the country. Um, any other specific goals that you guys have at this point? A long-term goal is that we are able to have a program in all states across the country, eventually, to hold uh, world games here in the states, and just to continue to grow awareness for the sport. Right, right. Interesting. In terms of international, you know, opportunities out there, countries that really kind of have mastered uh, blind tennis. Any any perspective on that from you? This is all a very new world to me, and I'm still learning the ropes. What I have found are the groups in Ireland. Uh, Simon McFarland has been, he's one of the lead instructors, and his program has, has set a great example for what I would like to mirror here in the States. Um, the Lawn Tennis Association, too, uh, has a, a great program, and they've been a wealth of knowledge for us. Right. Very interesting. Um, I always like to ask my guests whether they play blind sports or involved in blind sports in some way. You know, what, what would you say the benefits are of being involved in adaptive sports as someone with a disability? I think just the, the excitement and knowing that you are offering, you're offering a sport that you might have been led to believe you weren't able to play in defying those odds and proving that it is possible. I think that has to be the most rewarding part of all of this. Right. Absolutely. And I know just from my standpoint, just kind of the camaraderie, obviously, of meeting other blind and visually impaired individuals and certainly those that might have similar athletic goals and passions and whatnot, I would imagine you would uh, kind of agree with as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, just a whole new world has opened up that we weren't 
once introduced to. Right, right. And your daughter, did you say she is pretty active in sports herself? My Yes, my daughter, um, outside of tennis, she plays uh, sighted hockey and sighted softball. Oh, wow. Very cool. Uh, so then to wrap up here in terms of uh, the USBTA and let's just say blind tennis in general, um, how can individuals learn more about you know blind tennis and learn more about the USBTA? You can follow us definitely on social media. Um, I always am available if you want to reach out to me personally with my email um, and then our website as well. Gotcha. And I'll definitely include links to all that uh, in the show notes as well. Thank you. Sure thing. Alrighty. Again, we've been visiting with Dana Costa, president of the USBTA. And uh, Dana, really appreciate the time. Thanks for everything that you're doing and certainly look forward to following the progress of blind tennis here in the U.S. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.